Okay, Mr. Chair. Good evening, everybody. This is the January 23rd, 2023 land use meeting of the Castor Valley Municipal Advisory Council. Welcome, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, Chuck, would you lead us in the pledge, please? Or flag. Okay. I pledge allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, Rodrigo, can we have the roll call, please? Sure. Member Thomas? I'm here. <clears throat> Member Padro? Present. Member Prokopov? Present. Member Moore? Present. Member Killebrew? Present. Vice Chair Carbone? Present. Chair Mulgrew? Present. All present. Thank you, Rodrigo. We have a pretty full agenda tonight, so I want to keep things rolling. Do we have any subcommittee updates? Um, Pathways to School or the City of Hayward 238 parcels? No? Okay. And we are on to item E on the agenda an action item to adopt the findings authorizing this body to continue meeting for the next 30 days via teleconference. Um, Tony, do you have any updates for us regarding the hybrid meetings? Uh, the hybrid meetings will start in March when you all have to meet in person. There will also be one hybrid meeting Prior to that, which will be your land use meeting of February 27th, um, the meetings, there's no meeting scheduled right now for February 15th. Maybe Rodrigo can update you as to whether he's going to plan on scheduling one, as you know, or is it the, I'm sorry, the 14th, um, as the 13th is a holiday. However, the 14th and the 21st, which is a scheduled general purpose meeting, uh, the library is not available. So both of those meetings will have to be virtual. Um, so that's my update. So just to, since I went a little bit backwards, the 14th and the 21st have to be virtual because of the library not being available. And then the 28th would be a virtual meeting and then beginning in March, Council members will need to meet in person at Castor Valley Library. And then um, for the public, it would be hybrid. A question. Yeah. Is, did I hear February the 14th? Is that like Valentine's Day? Yes. yes. I'm going to give you a heads up right now. I won't be on that one. My wife's going to put up with everything, but now. So, she goes a better Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. So perhaps uh, later in the agenda, we can discuss a potential hearing dates. Uh, yeah. We'll cover the chair's report. Yes. Tona, you said uh, February 28th, 27th is a Monday. Yes, it's Monday, 27th. Right? I'm sorry, the 27th. Okay. All right. Um, thank you, Tona. Much appreciated all your hard work on this. Um, Anyone care to make a motion on adopting the findings? I'll move approval of the to adopt the findings and authorize remote teleconferencing. Second. Next 30 days. Thank you. Uh, any discussion? No? All right. 
Rodrigo, call the vote, please. Chair, Member Thomas? Yes. Member Padro? Aye. Member Prokopov? Yes. Member Moore? Yes. Member Killebrew? Yes. Uh, Vice Chair Carbone? Yes. And Chair Mulgrove? Aye. Okay, 7 0. Thank you so much. All right, we are on the. Chair, can I just mention one thing, uh, one other thing you'll need to do these findings one more time, um, probably at the general purpose meeting, just in case anybody needs to be virtual on the 27th. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that. Thank you, Tona. Okay, we're on to item F, public announcement and open forum. Uh, this is a chance for members of the community to Speak for up to three minutes on any subject that is not on tonight's agenda. Uh, if you wish to speak on anything that isn't on the agenda, please use the raise hand button at the bottom of the screen and you will be called on in order. So we have uh, two hands up. First hand to go up was Sean Rodriguez. So Sean, if you have anything to say that's not on the agenda, you can unmute yourself and go ahead. Yes, good evening. Um, <clears throat> Yes, my name is Sean Rodriguez. Um, I am involved in the development of the Zero Miramonte project. Uh, we did and represent the architectural firm Strata Architects as well as the owners. Um, we had originally uh, presented to the CV Mac um, a couple of weeks back, I think at the last meeting, just to run through the project. And uh, it seemed like you guys had, had looked at it quite favorably, which we really appreciate. And uh, we appreciate that opportunity. Um, we went back at our project and really kind of had a look at it um, in a little bit more detail. And we're getting a lot of construction quotes in as well as um, looking at sort of rising interest rates, et cetera. So we, we kind of took a, a deeper dive uh, into the project to see where we could in a responsible way um, adjust certain of the items. And we wanna just bring this to your attention at this point um, because we will be submitting for design review and it may well come through uh, you guys, but I would like to just kind of let you give you a heads up as to what our thought process is at this point. So when we looked at the project, um, at the moment we have a density of 29 dwelling units per acre. Um, it allows us 33 units based on what we can look at in terms of uh, buildable land, uh, and that's buildable land against the 2.5 acre parcel. Now, we have kind of done a recalculation of the buildable land, which has allowed us to increase the buildable land area from 1.2 acres to 1.5 acres. Um, and that, you know, we can obviously share that with you once we go through our, our design review process. Uh, but that does allow us uh, to increase the number of dwelling units from 33 to 44, um, which is actually pretty good. Um, and having, and so as we move through that process, um, I want to just kind of highlight another item, which I know was, was quite important um, from the neighborhood, which was overlooking and um, does our project, would our project have any impact on people above Page Street, for example? Now, when we look at um, doing two things, one, increasing the number of dwelling units and figuring out how to address the parking, um, one of the solutions that we have is to actually uh, increase the number of stories from three to four. Um, but as we move through the process with our um, 
land surveyors and civil engineers, we could certainly uh, build a four-story building on this property and the top of that building would be no higher. In fact, be much lower than the street level of Page Street. So we, we're well within a framework where uh, we wouldn't impact uh, adjoining neighbors at all uh, if we went down that road. Sean, can you please uh, wrap it up? We're at three minutes. Oh, okay, I'll wrap it up quick. So that was really the two items, increasing in number of dwelling units, increasing height. So we thank you very much. Um, we look forward to presenting and putting the deal together for you guys. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, let's see. Next, we have Patty O. Patty, if you could unmute yourself and you can go ahead for three minutes. Okay, I am, I am Patty O'Cooley, and I am responding to the site development at 4915 Proctor Avenue. Patty, I'm sorry, I, I need to, to stop you there. That's on the agenda for the evening. Um, okay, thank you. I wasn't sure. Love to hear your okay. comments, but you'll have a chance when the item's presented. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do we have anybody else, Rodrigo? Yes, we do. We have Kelly A. Uh, let me uh, bring Kelly up. Kelly, please go ahead. Uh, in uh, Castor Valley, some of you may have noticed that Castor Valley showed up in the news a lot all over all the TV news stations uh, because uh, some uh, people have had uh, damage like uh, um, you know they're they're trying to do the peaceful enjoyment of their properties there their peaceful enjoyment of a land use in their in their uh, own homes and uh, one of them had a tree fall on him and also broke his house but also injured this uh, person who's a resident of Castro Valley so um, one of the things that that how this all ties together with the the uh, uh, land uses and the and the, and the Alameda County's uh, land use authority there is that these people have been getting this idea, have been told that the county doesn't do tree maintenance, doesn't take care of the trees along that creek. And the name of the creek is Kelly Canyon Creek. Very happy with that name. I'm very happy that Castro Valley has named a creek after Kelly Canyon Creek. And uh, these large trees, they're not getting maintained. But if you look at the uh, work of the Alameda Co County Public Works Agency, led by Dr. Professor Waldessenbeck, uh, PhD, he uh, is reporting that he did do tree maintenance on Peralta Creek in Oakland. He's done that within the last year or two for tree maintenance. So I'm wondering, how is it that uh, Oakland is getting tree maintenance from the county uh, along those creeks, Peralta Creek, and not uh, Castor Valley. So I think uh, that the, if I were in Castor Valley, I'd be asking that question. And I think all of you should be looking at the Public Works Agency and ask them, why can't they do more for Castor Valley? Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Rodrigo, do we have any other folks that wish to speak tonight? Uh, nobody else has raised their hand, no. All righty, thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who uh, showed up and spoke up. Um, I will close public comment or public uh, announcements at this point.
We'll move on to item G, which is the approval of minutes. And we have minutes for three meetings, November 24th, November 18th, and December 12th, uh, 2022. In the interest of time, I'd like to handle all of them together. Um, so I'm gonna ask, does anybody have any corrections, changes for any of the minutes? I have to um, abstain from the minutes of December 12th as I was not in attendance. So I don't Thank know you. how you wanted. Yeah, it's, all right. We'll do them one at a time because I have to abstain also. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're, you're fine. Um, all right, for November 14th, uh, do we have any changes, corrections? If not, would entertain a motion to approve. Al? Move to approve. Second. Second. Okay. Okay. So the vote is uh, Member Thomas? Yes. Member Padro? Aye. Member Prokopov? Yes. Member Moore? Yes. Member Killebrew? Yes. Vice Chair Carbone? Yes. I, I'm sorry, I didn't. Okay, he's nodded. And then Chair Mulgrew? Aye. Okay, so that passed 7 0. And then the next uh, date in December? Uh, November 28th. Oh, sorry. November 28th. Would Move it? to approve. Second. Second. Okay, uh, vote uh, as follows Member Thomas? Yes. Member Padro? Aye. Member Prokopov? Yes. Member Moore? Yes. Member Killebrew? Yes. Vice Chair Carbone? Yes. And Chair Mulgrew? Abstain, I was not there. Okay, and then the last item in December. I'll make the motion to approve the minutes for December 12, 2022. Second. Okay, uh, Member Thomas? Yes. Member Padro? Aye. Member Prokopov? Yes. Member Moore? Yes. Member Killebrew? Abstain. Vice Chair Carbone? Yes. Chair Mulgrew? Aye. Okay, so six, zero, and one abstention. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you all. All right. We have no items on the consent calendar, so we'll move directly into our regular calendar and hear item one, which is an action item to approve a site development review and who will be presenting tonight? Uh, we have staff planner Damien Curry. Hello, Damien. Thank you. Um, I have the the um, the first item on the agenda is uh, PLN 2017-53. This is a site development review for a uh, a five thousand square foot residence off of Eden Canyon Road. We do need to make a, a correction to the agenda for the CEQA um, uh, status that this, this project is uh, categorically exempt under uh, uh, pursuant to section 15303, class three, uh, new construction or conversion of small structures. Uh, and so this, this project is, um, Sorry. 
This is a, it's on an 8.4 acre uh, parcel. And and this um, indicated on this this aerial here is the is the um, building. Can you share your screen. Sorry about that. Thank you. Is that visible? Yes. Okay. Thanks. Sorry for the uh, um, mix up there. So on this this uh, eight point four uh, acre acre parcel, there is a uh, um, building building on um, envelope of of less than two acres. Here, this encompasses the uh, flat building site that's around this location, uh, uh, septic leach field. A proposed area for here, and an existing uh, metal building that's off in this in this corner. So this this property on at a two one six three one Eden Canyon Road, again, is an eight point four acre site. It is uh, zoned in in the agricultural district, uh, which which requires a site development review for. A, a new residence, um, and it is designated as resource management in the Castor Valley General Plan. So the um, the two story residence is about five thousand and fifty eight square feet. There is an attached uh, three car garage, and the metal building that is located on the property will also remain on the. Um, on the on the staff report, I discussed about an eight thousand square foot FAR. It's actually closer to seven thousand when you when you count for all of the residential structures and the proposed in ground pool and uh, covered porches and such. Uh, but that's still well within the twelve thousand square foot FAR that's permissible under the resource management land use designation. For this project, there was also a biological resources assessment completed that found no no habitat in in, in the uh, disturbed uh, building site area, and uh, staff recommends approval for the project. This is a um, a um, a graphic showing the showing the um, parcels that are accessed off of this shared access road. And then right at this location is where the um, property, the actual parcel begins and, and accesses the uh, home site and proposed home site. Uh, this is the entrance to the shared driveway. Uh, and this is also looking, looking down back toward the entrance on the uh, driveway that is that belongs to the property in question, uh, and and a uh, a site plan showing showing the beach field as well as the existing metal building and the metal building itself. And this is this is the the location for the for the residents. 
and this is this is set back somewhat from the from the building pad uh so that um and also the height of the structure is is within um 25 feet to the highest point of the roof so it's the um should have minimal um impacts aesthetic impacts upon the um eden canyon and and the larger area this is a photo taken taken from the the building site as it is now and these are just ele elevations of the proposed residence and with the um with the attached garage too right and and this is a view from from Eden Canyon Road looking looking toward the project site so it's a, on a fairly steep incline and and then the the actual building site is is you know set back on a flat flat pad uh where it is located so that concludes staff presentation the um staff is present as well as the um applicant thank you Thanks, Damien. Uh, before we entertain questions and comments from the council, would like to open it up for public comment. If anyone in the community has a comment on or a question about this particular item, uh, please hit the raise hand button at the bottom of the screen and you will be called on. The first uh, person uh, up, they just uh, lowered their hand. So the first person with a hand raised is Kelly. Kelly, if you can go ahead. Um, all right. Um, yeah, if you look at this, uh, if, if you pull back what the, the planning department doesn't, uh, usually doesn't let, show you very much of the surrounding neighborhood. They'll show you empty fields. Uh, they'll take very carefully selected shots of empty fields uh, around, but, um, this house that they're proposing, it actually fits in pretty well with the neighborhood and with the neighbors. They have about a couple of other houses that are really giant houses with are pretty modern looking, pretty new, very nice, big, you know, uh, suburban, large houses with a lot of square feet that are double or triple the size of a regular house. Um, so this fits right in. Um, and probably it's a, it's a great plan. And, uh, and I, I personally have no, no problem with putting yet another one of these houses up there. It's not really gonna be too visible from the road, but it will have a tremendous view um, all around it. Uh, and for those of you who wanna take a nice walk around Castro Valley, go ahead and walk up that road sometime. I've done that uh, once or twice, uh, Eden Canyon Road. It's a, it's a hidden, natural area of Castor Valley, and uh, you'll see a lot of things out there. But another thing about this house um, is the fact that they're being required to put in sprinklers, sprinklers. It's kind of amazing that the planning department would go to a regular house and force them to put, order them to put in sprinklers when, um, you know, a large assembly building with hundreds of people gathered uh, they don't. Uh, they never. They can't. They can't differentiate between that and a barn, and don't know that that needs sprinklers too. Um, it's very. It's it's very strange. Very very perplexing how that works. And um, finally, about about this uh, uh, the the house. 
um, is the fact that if you look at how it looks now, go look at the satellite photos and so on, unlike other projects that are going on elsewhere in the county, where if you look at the proposals, you'll find out that they did them two years ago. And uh, things like the, you know, the septic field or whatever, things, uh, a lot of things are already built, paving, huge amounts of paving. This looks like a, pretty much like an empty field and it looks like they're they wanna go out there and build on it. They're not, it's not like something that they did already a year ago or five years ago. This looks like uh, a real plan and they're not really uh, uh, misleading us on what, what uh, has already there. It's, it's pretty much what they're, what they're showing. So yes, I, I do support this project and it's nice to see a project that doesn't have a lot of misleading elements in it. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. <clears throat> Any other comments, Rodrigo? Yes, we have uh, Yasmin Sharay. Uh, you can go ahead, please, if you can unmute yourself. Hi, Happy New Year. Uh, I would love to see my neighbor to construct their, their house. I have seen the project and it looks beautiful. It seems very harmonious with the area and it's a very calm uh, uh, building to me and I think it will fit to the, uh, to the environment that we are living. Beautiful. I wish him luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have others. Uh, there are no others at this time. Beautiful. Um, we'll close public comment and thank those that uh, that spoke. And we'll look to the council now for questions and comments. And I think Council Member Padro uh, had his hand up first. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good evening, Damien. One question I have, and that is, uh, there was extensive extensive material on this project, but I don't see anything referencing any geologic uh, studies made, although the, the intended uh, project is gonna be on flat land. It's, it's certainly close to, you know, uh, inclines, elevations, I should say. And as of late, we've had a lot of concern here in the Bay Area in, in general with regard to the impact of, of slides. So I question, do we need to be the least bit concerned with that as, as this moves forward? Yes, thank you. I, um, and as uh, um, the grading division opined uh, in the, um, during, during the referral process that, that a, a geotechnical report will, will um, <clears throat> um, most likely be be um, essential to the grading permit process. Uh, the um, I included. I thought I had included with with the report, and I apologize right. if I did not. So there's some Cal Geotech readings in here, but for okay. this layman, I couldn't make heads nor tails of it in terms of the impact that may be experienced by you know setting the foundation, the drilling, and that kind of thing. Yes, and and two, there was the earlier project was um, a, uh, a modest <coughs> guest, guest house proposed for the, uh, and then and then that that changed uh, to to this to this larger house so the so the, the um, 
the geotechnical report will need to be obviously up, updated, but under the recommendations section for the for the for that preliminary report that was that was included, it indicated that 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 the structure proposed at that time could be safely uh, safely constructed at the site uh, following is, the recommendations. But this is much larger, correct? This is this is this is larger. So yes, the um, the geotechnical report will need will need to be to be updated. Uh, Prior to uh, prior to to any any permits from grading and land development as and uh, as well as um, and and also there is a uh, uh, um, that could that could also be a condition for planning approval as well. So in other words, it'd be premature to make that a condition of approval before we find in favor of this item. Uh, no, that it could be um, it it could be included with the with the recommendation that the that the geotechnical report be be completed for the for the structure that is proposed. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So, thank and just some background on that. This is Rodrigo from Planning. Um, usually, when uh, folks like the Building Department or the Grain Department receive referrals from us, um, they indicate whether or not, for example, it's in a landslide area or a liquefaction zone or an aquas prielo earthquake hazard zone, that kind of thing. And if it is, then they'll ask for the reports earlier on in the process, just so that we know whether or not the house needs to be actually moved out of that area. Um, in this case, it did not indicate any such concerns. And so um, they, they would require a geotechnical investigation for the property, for the house location where it is now uh, and and uh, we do not anticipate that uh, any results of that geological investigation or geotechnical investigation would result in, for example, the house moving, uh, having to be relocated in a different area. So, so at this point, staff, the planning department staff considers this a uh, a structural issue. The geotechnical investigation would require different uh, foundational work or perhaps some, uh, uh, minor modifications. To the grading, not enough to for the grading department to, to suggest that there would be vast um, or substantial enough modifications to the grading that would that would necessitate uh, modifications to the contour of the land, or the building department does not anticipate that that given the potential menu of foundational systems to anchor the the building based on the results of the geotechnical investigation that that would uh, change the outside of the building, either the relocation or the height or anything. So, so at this point, we consider it a, a technical matter. It's going to be up to uh, the results of the geotechnical investigation, what kind of foundational system um, is proposed for the structure, and that would be part of the uh, grading and building uh, permit review. Okay, well, just because of the topographical surrounding area, and in lieu of what's been occurring recently, it's just been uppermost in my mind. That's why I thought I'd address it. Thank you both. Yeah. Thanks, Al. Good question. Uh, Vice Chair Carbone. So um, I don't have any problem with this project at all. Um, the plants, everything looks great. And I know that uh, they're not going to be issuing a building permit until obviously a lot of these concerns are probably addressed. But I have something that's a little bit different. And I, my question is, is because this is um, it's in A, it's an agriculture area, the zoning on it, it's a residential house. It's, it's, a, a, it's gonna be a beautiful place. 
none of that's in question, but I'm it's really more about what holds the zoning for this to stay a residential house. And I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna make an example. And by no means this has anything against this project. And I'm asking this because I need staff to reassure me here or at least give me some answers on this. Imagine this was eight or 10,000 square feet. And let's just say that it was approved as an ag, a residential home, just a, a large residential home. Then it was turned, after this thing was approved and built, all of a sudden the use changed. Maybe it turned into a school, maybe it turned into something else. How, what, what keeps a quality project like this on track and it's not an R, it's not residential zoning. I, I'm, I'm curious, how do we hold that in play? Because, you know, we've got some other projects on the table that are extremely volatile. And if someone was to misapproach a project and build something, then we're not, it's not getting unbuilt. So I'm curious, what, 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 what preserves this as a residential property? Yes, um, a use, use such as a school would, would, would require a, a, a conditional use permit in this in this location a um uh you know a use such as such as a care facility is limited to um six six beds or fewer mm -hmm. and and then a, a care facility is not is not allowed in an in an agricultural district uh, or or in an in an a district i should say um and uh, so, so yes, th those are those are two examples where there is a, there would be there would be an on an ongoing a follow there would be a review necessary for it to to ascertain uh, whether whether a use can be engaged in. All right. So I'm sure some of the other commissioners understand why I'm asking this question, but. Um... I, I just needed to ask that. And again, I've got nothing against this project. This is, I, I see what this is gonna be. And um, if there's, uh, we'll get through the rest of this, but anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Great question. Uh, Council member Prokopoff. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And thank you, Damian. Um, I, I think I have a, a simple question. Uh, looking at the plans, um, there is a bioretention area that's described. Is that connected to the residential functions or is that for agriculture? Yes, uh, uh, that is for the runoff from the from the hard hardscape surfaces, roofs and another another hardscape to retain it uh, uh, rather than just let you know, you know um, let it uh, drain directly to the to what would eventually go to the creek versus the the septic system which is just for the house oh oh correct yes this the gotcha. septic system yeah that's 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 for black black water yes cool thank you thanks thanks Elliot. council member moore hey, thank you um uh i just i'm wondering 2017 is it because the house changed in size or I mean, I, I'm looking at this, and uh, I remember somewhere back then this coming before us. Um, is it because they've gone from a smaller home to this larger home, or why has this been around for what six years? 
Thank you. Yes, this this application has not gone before the council, uh, and this was um, this did go through a um, design design change, and and it was it was scaled up to the to the size that it is. Um, and in addition, there, there, uh, the applicant has been working with uh, Department of Environmental Health for, for um, septic review, at, and also the the fire the fire marshal for the uh, to uh, to meet the requirements um, the fire requirements for that the road the driveway could support a seventy five thousand pound vehicle, and. And, and and lastly, the applicant also commissioned a, a biological resource assessment for the for the property as well. Yeah. I think it's a great project. It's a nice home. So, thank you, Chuck. Uh, Councilmember Thomas. Good evening. Um, like everyone said, looks like a great project. But a quick question. Um, you're talking about septic system and on a, a email from John Rogers said, uh, it states that the area where the septic system leach field is outlined on the site plan is sloped over at over 20% and possibly in an unstable area, which will be an issue for environmental health. If, if that's an issue, is there a backup plan or is that some, am, am I too early discussing this? Yes, um, John, John Rogers, he was, he was responding to, to a, uh, to to the original location, so he he um that was actually on on the on the initial the initial referral from uh 2017. The um uh, the applicant has has been in has been meeting directly with environmental health and and is and is uh close to approval for the for the on-site septic. Got it. Thank you. Thanks. Any other comments, thoughts? I just I have a question for for staff. Um, with the biological assessment was that required of the applicant? Um, if so, why? Why in this case was that required, or, or was it something the applicant? I mean, they're not cheap. Uh, you know, something the applicant offered to do. What what's the what's the story on the the bio assessment? Yes, the um. So un, under the uh, this also ties into the categorical exemption used one one five three zero three class three um, that that considering considering the the biological impacts of the project is important um, goes hand in hand with the um, uh, with the uh, with the project approval and and. and and also when you when we have we have an area that 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 could um, alter potential whip snake habitat it's important it's important for us to to um to be able to provide that information to the applicant and um because there have been in the past you know projects that are that are uh, tied up at the building permit phase much farther down the road than than, than where we would want to be uh, with the resource agent, agency in question when um, 
we never want to be in the situation where we're at the building permit phase and then Fish and Wildlife asks us whether there was a project biological resources assessment for the project. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can I, I share. Uh, well, I just got one quick comment. Um, yeah. Th th that's a bit concerning to me. Is this a new requirement for agricultural homes to have a. Uh, uh, the, uh, so we're going to burden people that live in the agricultural property with this report financially? So, uh, and, Okay. Yeah, this, new, this is, is this a new rule? Uh, this is this is site is site specific. So when it, no, it, no, it's it, not site specific because there's another neighbor who just had to do one. So right, so we this is Rodrigo from Planning Department. We we have been responding to the um, the requirements from the uh, Regional Water Quality Control Board and actually defending a potential lawsuit that we are not looking into potential environmental impacts on development on land that has not previously been uh, developed to protect uh, potential sensitive uh, species habitat. Uh, so uh, it is not a new requirement. It's been around for a few years. It's been around for at least five years. Um, and on uh, when Damien says site-specific, we look at the location of the land. We look at maps of uh, identified areas where uh, habitat for the whip snake, for the red-legged frog, for the tiger salamander for uh, uh, various species uh, that are listed as, as sensitive species. And we make a determination whether or not to uh, request a, a biological assessment report. Like Damien was talking about, if we do not request one and it turns out uh, that there was uh, a taking of species, whether a habitat was affected or there was evidence that the uh, species was affected somehow, whether picked up and moved or killed, then uh, we as a granting authority, a permit granting authority would be liable to the resource agencies uh, for having uh, approved without adequate review. So, so we uh, understand that people uh, need to make um, use of their properties and enjoy development of the properties as allowed by law. Uh, but at the same time, we need to be responsive to our responsibilities to the other uh, uh, broader agencies uh, and other uh, potential and consider other potential impacts, uh, including in the case of large pieces of land that are previously undeveloped, uh, potential impacts to to sensitive species. So, uh, Rodrigo, is is this um, requirement that we're taking on in the county, uh, or, or is our board of supervisors approved this direction, and? Um, if uh, landowners in the agricultural properties or areas have a problem with this kind of a regulation or which I think is an overreach, um, do we, who do we take it up with? Uh, do we take it up with our local supervisor? Well, and, well, you can, if you disagree, we at, at staff law will have to be responsive to, to uh, those agencies as well. And, and on, upon direction of the board of supervisors have to, make sure that the projects that we approve um, uh, do provide evidence that there is no impact to the environment, right? So that's why we can declare, okay, um, in, in projects that are already developed, even if they're in agricultural zones, there's evidence that there was a house there before or uh, properties that have previously been uh, tilled, for example, with, with, um, with uh, line crops such as grapes, that kind of thing. 
you can say, okay, well, that these these have been altered uh, on on hillsides that uh, there's no not much necessary evidence of of development. Then we can say, okay, in order to be able to to check that box that there is no uh, impact uh, potential impact to the environment, um, provide the biological assessment report. If it comes back with those standard conditions, usually the biological or assessment reports come back and state. Um, there could be potential impacts, but if you build between X and Y times, um, or you, uh, if there's a creek nearby, or if there's a, uh, 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 oak woodlands nearby, um, fence that off with a bright orange fencing, that kind of thing. Um, and your staging areas are well outside of those areas. Um, then, then the, the, uh, potential impacts are, are considered less than significant. And then we can move on with, uh, with exemption. What, what we do not want, like Damon was alluding to earlier, is, is for us to go to building permits, the, the uh, resource agency, where is the evidence that there is no impact because we see a bunch of woodlands here and, a, and, a, uh, and areas leading to a creek or, or, or uh, watering uh, holes uh, within a half mile radius of this area. And there's evidence of, of uh, red-legged frogs or, or uh, tiger salamander, which have a pretty broad uh, range. Um, so where's where's the assessment that there is no impact? And so that's what Damien is talking about, site specific. We we get that on a on a site specific level based on maps, based on topography, based on on aerial views, et cetera. And then and it's it's a staff de level determination as to which which properties we're required of, but it's based on policy that we have to address potential impacts. Uh, and that's that's policy that's been um, agreed to at the board level. Uh, based on conversations with uh, with the resource agencies. Well, then, could we see what the requirements are? Because I've been to this piece of property, and it's got a um, an existing uh, garage. It's even in the uh, document on there, and um, it's been a pad that was must have been cut years and years ago. It's got a concrete road in the picture. It shows going up to it. It probably. Um, would probably be a concern to the fire department. So I'm just wondering which one of our planners went out there and looked at this property and made the assessment that this was required because you know it, it can, it's concerning because it's it's an added substantial added cost to a builder or a person building on their property. And Bill, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's it's a great uh, question and it. Um, I think um, people in the ag area need a better understanding of what those, um, because there's no creek that I could see near this property and no wooded area near this property. So what- Well, there's a wooded area right across the street on Eden Canyon Road. Across the street. Yeah. And okay. and these things, these things, the, the maps that we've, the maps that we have been provided by the resource agencies um, that are part of our documents and, and general plans and policies, and and um, they show that these uh, there's um, evidence uh, or the the swaths of land where they could either have habitat or migration or uh, some other presence are pretty broad, and so we look yeah. again. We're 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 trying to balance um, having to respond to. Uh, the concerns of uh, and the responsibility, not just concerns, but actual lawful responsibility to protect these habitats where they exist. 
And so if we don't do that, we'd be we'd be violating that responsibility and we'd we'd find the, ourselves at the at the losing end of a lawsuit. Understand. Um, I want to look at it from just a and thank you, Chuck. Um, I want to look at it from just a little bit of a different angle, Rodrigo. Um, you know, given all the the, the permutations, um, you know, not prior development, no prior alteration, the, the various things that you mentioned. When in the process does an applicant learn of the need for a biological assessment and specifically how far into this particular project uh, were the applicants before you know they understood that they had to come up with a fifteen thousand dollar you know biological assessment? Ideally, ideally, it's at the it's at the beginning when when the applicant first first uh, um, submits to the planning department the the design review. I right. try to I try to to let let the applicant know right at the beginning and then and then repeat that uh, a lot of times as we as we as we move through the process and 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 take care of you know other approvals that that uh -huh. that can be difficult like like the environmental the approval with environmental health and with the fire marshal and uh, yeah we try to be clear clear on that um, each time. No, I appreciate that, Damien. And as was mentioned, you know, this has got a PLN number 2017. And I'm curious as to, you know, when when this particular app applicant was uh, made aware that they needed to provide a biological assessment. Yeah, I I don't have I don't have the the email with me, but it. You know, or I believe we also spoke in person in our in our office at once. Um, but um, as far as um, uh, um, the applicant is here, if you if you'd like to speak with the applicant as well, sure, 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 sure. Can we bring her over, Rodrigo? To bring the applicant over? Sure. Um... Uh, Shakiba, uh, if you can unmute yourself, you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for reviewing our, our uh, plans. It has been a long time coming. Um, as Damien mentioned, he he was pretty forthcoming about having a biological resource assessment um, pretty early on. So we knew it was it was uh, a requirement. Um, we weren't exactly sure why it was needed because there are other properties um, in the vicinity and the pad had been graded many years ago. But, um, you know, as with all things, we wanted to be compliant. So we went ahead and did the, the assessment. Fortunately, there, um, there wasn't significant uh, habitats found. However, they do want to be present during the construction to look for nesting birds or to see if there are any um, um, any habitats that could be possibly endangered when we do the drainage plans. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it has been a significant cost, but I think, you know, it's, so has everything else. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, and again, congratulations on the project. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I, I would like to make some comments to Representative Padro, who was asking about um, the geotech. Um, we, we did have significant geotech investigations, both on the pad and on the driveway for the fire department purposes. Both have come, um, both reports have um, stated that there aren't any um, issues with building either the, the house and they've made recommendations for the foundation. Um, and, and that was very early on before we purchased the property. We did that geotechnical investigation to make sure that it would support because it is a pretty steep hill and, you know, between two um, major fault lines. Um, so I'm happy to provide that report. Um, I think the the one by Cal Geotech is included, but not the one that we did previously on the building pad. So I'm happy to provide that report. Um, Thank you for that reassurance. Thank you. Sure. And then um, just in response to uh, Representative Moore, good to see you. Um, 2017, we had uh, wanted to um, build a small uh, house and then later on build the larger house. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out because we did not have space for a, a fire access turnaround at the location where we wanted to build the smaller house. So we had to scrap those plans and then um, just go directly into building the larger house where we did have space to put the fire access road. Um, so that's sort of why it's it's taken so long to get our plans. Um, it, it has gone through a few iterations um, and environmental health and the fire department um, requirements for the site were a bit challenging. So um, yeah, that's, yeah, those are the comments I sort of wanted to make. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, any final comments from uh, council? If not, would be happy to entertain a, a motion. I'll make the motion to approve PLN 2017-00053 as presented. Second. Rodrigo, please. Any, any discussion first? No. Very good. Okay, uh, the vote is, will be as follows. Member Thomas? Yes. Member Padro? Aye. Member Prokopov? Yes. Member Moore? Member Killebrew? Yes. Vice Chair Carbone? Yes. And Chair Mulgrew? Aye. Okay, 7-0. Thank you, Damien. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we are moving on to item two, which is also an action item to either approve or deny an appeal of the planning director's determination of non-conformity for a drive-through lane for a restaurant on Castro Valley Boulevard. And Damien, are you back in the barrel? Yes. Um, one moment, please. And if you could... Um, since I'm, this is the first case of this nature that I've seen, maybe give a little bit of background on, on how um, um, an item to reverse a planning director decision ends up in, with, the, with the MAC. Okay, yes, yes, certainly. Thank you. Uh, and, and thank you. So um, ordinarily, well, I didn't just say ordinarily, but the, but, but the process for to um, to appeal a planning director determination, is um, it goes 
it's heard by the planning commission. Uh, and, and so it, at, uh, for, for uh, properties within within areas covered by the by the Castro Valley Municipal Council, uh, the um, the council itself would, would be would be in its in its advisory capacity the first the first step in in the um, in in the process so that so that if the um, if the council, if the council um, uh, moved to to reject the appeal, the appellant still has still has the option of of appeal of appealing again to the planning commission. And and if the if the council um, decided for the for the appeal, then. Then most likely the it would um, it would not go on to the planning commission, but but the council's decision would 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 more or less take take effect. Um, Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, actually, actually, it would. Probably still go to the. Sorry, let me let me walk that back. Would we'll probably still go to the planning commission on the on on the recommendation of the Castro Valley Municipal Advisory Council, and um, yeah, so that that would be an another another step. Yeah, so, so hopefully that, that that makes sense, right? So so the planning director makes a determination whether or not something's allowable. Right. Uh, the the person affected does not like that decision. They appeal to the planning commission. On the way to the planning commission, we go to the uh, MAC with jurisdiction for your recommendation to the planning commission. Uh, Council Member Kellebrew, do you have something before we get into the presentation? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify to make sure I was understanding correctly. Regardless of whether or not we approve or deny the appeal, it will go to the the next step would be the planning commission, correct? Because I was correct. Is that, yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that I understood yeah. that correctly. Yes, correct. The, the planning commission is the deciding body on mm -hmm. an appeal of a planning director's determination. But okay. uh, as as is policy in the county, we go. For every planning commission decision, we go through the municipal advisory councils. Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Carry on, Damien. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, and sorry, I did I did misstate that at, at first. So thank you for clarifying, Rodrigo. Um, so the uh, appeal in two zero two 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 forty eight is an appeal of the planning director determination uh, pertaining specifically to the to the drive-through window or the or the restaurant building located at 2788 uh, Castorelli Boulevard. You can see the um the parcel is is somewhat divided in in the two with the with the uh, developed portion toward the front and then and then the the um and underdeveloped um, area um to the rear. Mm -hmm. 
So the the um yeah, the total square footage of the property is is uh almost twenty nine thousand square feet. This is this um uh, property and vicinity is zoned into the sub area five, uh, more of a low intensity commercial uh, zoning in the Castro Valley general plan. And um, it's also designated Castro Valley, um, uh, uh, Castro Valley business district and um, further designated as being in the theater district uh, under the uh, Castro Valley general plan. The, the this appeal process of this appeal is not a project under under CEQA. So uh, a a brief um, timeline. In 1983, there was a, a a building permit approved for the installation of the drive-through window, and in in 1985 was the adoption of the of the um, first specific plan. Uh, Castro Valley Business District that uh, that included the prohibition of of the drive-through window. I say prohibition of drive. I it got cut off there. Um, and in 1993, this it, the um, the updated specific plan was adopted that continued that prohibition. And uh, and then staff recommends. Um, uh, for those and and for the uh, for the reasons um, that we'll review later in the in in, in this report, uh, staff recommends denial of the appeal. Uh, from the specific plan, um, driving driving businesses are those consisting of a, a service predominantly registered rendered to patrons who normally receive the product or utilize the service, at least in part, while in automobiles upon the premises. And then this definition also includes drive-through restaurants. Um, and and then the, this, this determination of the drive-through window status was based uh, largely on public available imagery uh, using Google and being aerial photos, uh, street, street view photos, um from google and uh and also menu photos uh, from google reviews and for past businesses um and then also proprietary image aerial imagery was also used um i also um let's see and then um specifically from the from the applicant um the applicant has maintained that the drive-through window has has been in constant use, and that in but also that the restaurants located at this building on this location that that for those restaurants the 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 drive through is not the not the focus of of the of the service, but they were always more um, um, indoor indoor restaurants where where um, patrons would. You know, could could remain and 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 eat inside the restaurant rather than rather than uh, solely focused on on uh, picking up the food and and leaving the premises. Um, so again, uh, um, the applicant has also maintained that you know for purposes of of any delay now, 
that that the um, that the pro that the process of uh, well processing this determination has has prevented the you know the further continuation of that that use of the drive through use. So um, there was one one public comment received um, after after the writing of the report and and it was uh, uh, from one individual who who had a comment assigning uh, traffic safety uh, worried about um, um, vehicles backing out of the parking lot and into the roadway and uh, also interfering with the with the bike lane. So this, um, sorry, it's um, for the for any lack of clarity. It's the um, the existing the the permit for the existing um, uh, drive-through lane. Uh, you can see, and it's it's all um, oriented in the in the same same manner. And then that you know it, it depicts the driveway largely as it is today. Okay. And uh, as part of the elevations, now it 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 uh, this is the um, configuration of the drive-through window, which was which staff then used to um, to determine whether the whether the window has or has not been been used, because in this on on the side of this building, this is from uh, two thousand and eleven. Uh, that the uh, drive-through window itself is is uh, papered over or blocked off, while the while the uh, restaurant, the former restaurant Korean Barbecue, it was at this at this location, um, and uh, in in this in this photo, I'm sorry about that. In this in this photo, meaning that the the window. Um, did not mean to say the window was blocked from the inside, but blocked from view, meaning that it was screened in that it was difficult to determine in this photo whether the window was actually in use or was rendered inoperable in any way. Uh, but um, it's another another instance where where there's um, signage for the tofu house Korean barbecue is is indicating parking and it's and and signs discuss parking but it's not it's not advertising a, a drive through which would be a, a favorable element if if one had a had a restaurant that they wanted to um attract patrons likewise with the um with the Vaughn's chicken uh restaurant this is a uh, a following restaurant of, the, I believe, the same tenants. Uh, there, there's the signage for the restaurant, uh, but there's no, there's no on-site signage indicating drive-through or you know, no wayfinding for a, a drive-through lane uh, present. And and uh, and then the menus. Um, uh, staff looked at the. Menus for both the tofu house and the and the Vaughn's chicken, and was unable to unable to find um, uh, any evidence of a drive-through lane 
Instead, um, staff just got really hungry. And uh, so here's the Vaughn's, the, the, one, the one aerial photo that staff was able to find that this is from Bing, Bing's maps and, and, um, and in the report, I, um, I said undated, but then I, upon closer look using the Bing maps, it, it, it does seem to indicate to 2022. So, so um, staff is, is going with that. This, this silver van appears to be located at the window location where, where it may or may not be um, uh, receiving food from that window. And uh, this is an older, an older photo from 2007 and, and another photo from 2017. The one, one thing too that staff um, notice is that the, is that the landscaping is never, it's never overgrowing the drive-through lane. It's, it, it is being, being maintained. And, uh, um, but again, staff hasn't, hasn't seen too much activity for that. Um, and, and that, oh, sorry, that, that concludes, uh, staff's, staff's recommendation. And um, again, again, staff's, staff's recommendation is is to is to deny deny the appeal at this case. Um, but um, again, staff and the and the um, property owner uh, is also present as well. Thank you. So uh, just to a, a brief uh, summary as to why we're dealing with this in the first place, the the property owner uh, came in uh, having a tenant. That wants to make use of the drive-through facility, and then looking at the specific plan on page 87 of the Castro Valley Business District Specific Plan, um, like Damien uh, uh, showed in the slides, prohibited uses include drive-in businesses. And so, given that uh, the drive-in businesses are prohibited, uh, we then informed the property owner, "Hey, you know, unless this thing has been in continuous operation with no break uh, in operations for six months." Or, or or more, then we would we would consider that that the restaurant is not a drive-through restaurant and therefore no longer a non-conforming use, right? So so it was approved back before the specific plan said no more drive-throughs. It was allowed to continue as a legal non-conforming use indefinitely, uh, as long as it doesn't continue its operation with no break in operation for six months or more. And so we have uh, uh, staff has determined. It looks like it's no longer a drive-through restaurant. It looks like it's now just a restaurant without a drive-through function. Therefore, we we cannot allow uh, a drive-through, which we would consider to be a new drive-through, to establish because drive-through restaurants are specifically prohibited by the specific plan. There's it's just purely black and white prohibited uses. So. That's where we are today. The determination, the, the request from the MAC in your recommendation is, is this use been a continued use with no break? Um, it, is, it continues to be a legal non-conforming use and therefore a new restaurant, a brand new restaurant would would be able to uh, open up as a drive-through business. Thank you, Rodrigo. And before opening it up to public comment, just one clarifying question on, on what you just said. The the six-month window, um, 
dating back to what time frame? 1983 or, you know, where do we start the clock on the six months? uh, Right. So so in 1984, Damon, right, was when the first season. Okay. Uh, 19, uh, was it 1984 or 1985? But yeah, one of those, of those two. Sorry. Okay. Very good. All right, before, uh, before entertaining comments from the council, let's open it up for public comment. Anybody who wishes to speak on this project um, would have three minutes. Just click the raise hand button at the bottom of your screen and Rodrigo will let you in. Do we have, any, do we have anybody that wishes to speak? Uh, first person with our hand raised is Peter Rosen. Peter, if you can go ahead. All right, thanks guys. I just wanted to... Um... I'm speaking on my own behalf, not representing any other organization. And I just wanna say thank you, uh, Rodrigo, for clarifying and just uh, reminding everyone that the Max Voice uh, does have merit and it has weight, uh, whatever you decide here, even though it's going back to the planning commission after this, it's it's not just part of the roadshow, whatever um, you guys say is actually gonna impact that. That being said, I just wanted to speak out um, and say that this building is kind of a unique animal. Uh, it has the existing driveway in the past, the pass through, and it was set up at one point in time as a drive through. And um, I'm going to suggest that you look at this as a specific single entity because there are no other sites that have drive throughs in the past in Castro Valley that would be in violation of the specific plan or current specific plan, not the 30 year old one. Uh, I am just saying that you consider how um, the drive-through would impact uh, traffic because I actually think it might be better to have a drive-through than a parking lot. Um, I would think that you would consider how drive-through and impacts um, on the community and how people are eating in current restaurants have changed under COVID. Uh, there's a lot less of a need for uh, dine-in restaurants if you want to uh, consider that a lot. Um, one of the most successful restaurants under COVID was uh, Southern Comfort Kitchen, which has, you know, very minimal dine-in seating. And so there's a market for this. And I think that it's one of the ways that I think that you could make this specific site more appealing. Um, I really miss the Tofu House and I was sad that, it, that they couldn't keep it going. And when Vons went in, it, it couldn't keep going. I don't want it to keep flipping. And one of the things that I think could give it appeal is if it has potential as a drive-through, which would be safe on that. I mean, I would imagine it would be safe because it's set up that way and coming out of the driveway there, uh, it's not like people are going to be, hopefully if they make it a right-hand turn only lane, it would still be safe. But I just wanted you to consider how the dining habits have changed. And uh, if this was one more opportunity for somebody to lower their costs and have more appeal for a, um, for a restaurant, because instead of having to, as much of an impact on the parking and dine-in restaurant, if it's if it also had some drive-through, I think it would actually uh, have a huge appeal. So I just wanted you to consider all of that, and uh, thanks for your time. Thank you, Peter. Who's next, Rodrigo? Uh, we have Dwight Roberts. Dwight, you can go ahead. <laughs> Dwight, you can unmute yourself and um, and the bottom of the screen. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm Dwight Roberts, and I'm sitting here with Sophia Limonos, the uh, owner of the property, and she would like to make a couple of comments. Uh, 
and agree with Mr. Peter Rosen about how um, uh, restaurants are changing now. And in fact, the current tenant that is going to be in there, Gabriel, that's going to put in a Mexican food restaurant, was hoping that that window, because of COVID restrictions um, regarding entrance into the uh, uh, restaurant that has been in the past, that he was going to use that for the quick delivery of DoorDash, Instacart, and Uber Eats out that side window is not to impact the parking lot other than to pass through it. And um, that was one of his ideas um, at, at kind of what, what Peter Rosen said. So um, with that, I'll let Sophia finish. You only have a short period of time, Sophia. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. I'm in Yes, my name is Sophia Limios, and thank you very much who took it, my case for my property. I live in Castro Valley over three years, and after when my husband passed away, I tried to do my best to raise my children to be good American citizens, and plus to be able to survive with that property, with the rent. Always the property has the drive-through when we bought the property, we know has a drive-thru. We got many, many times the food for the drive-thru, not only us, many, many customers. And I'm here, please, to ask you this. I don't ask you anything else, only to promise to use what you already have legally. And uh, I want you to understand the person who going to rent the place, he can't because he see the drive-thru, and he said, the place is not really big, so it's gonna be very good for me to have the drive, to use a drive-through. However, I'm very concerned on things and I have to be honest with you. <clears throat> you have pro, you have promised so many restaurants that the opposite size of the road for my property. And my restaurant is very small. The business is family business restaurant, the Mexican restaurant is not franchise to bother any traffic or anything. And I don't know why um, the, 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 another, the, the city, they didn't want it to promise some things. I have legally the right to have that and they use it. Many times I was there when the people, they get food for the window. Yes, sometimes when it's very hot, maybe they put it down the safe, but always the window is there and the drive-through. So I will appreciate you very, very much to approve this because this is my rights and the place only was closed. We got the key for the property <clears throat> July 17th. Never, never the property was closed for six months. That is not correct. And one more, one more correction I have to say <laughs> that only the same tennis with a toothy house and bell chicken was the same tennis, only they changed the name. So I want you to understand it, to come uh, to come to my, to understand my myself, how I feel I want to survive. And I want my new tennis because no matter what, when you go to the property, you see right away the drive-through. No matter what, if you don't advertise on the menu or you don't put any signs, soon you go to the property, you see the drive-through. <laughs> so I thank you so very much for listening to me. And thank you very much for your great help. And I do agree 100% with Mr. Rose, which I don't know him, but what he say, he's absolutely true and correct. 
Once again, thank you for listening to me and thank you for helping me. Thank you very much. Do we have other, other public comments? Uh, we did have somebody else with their hand raised, Gabriel, but uh, they lowered their hand. Yes. All right, at this point, uh, if no, oh. We have a Kristen who's raised their hand. Would you like to hear from Kristen? Yes, please. Oops. Uh, Kristen, go ahead. Okay, I'm mute. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Kristen Beekler, I live, uh, I've lived in Castro Valley for a long time. Let me unmute my other phone. Um, and I object to additional drive-throughs only because of the environmental impact. A lot of communities, um, maybe not necessarily here in the Bay Area, but a lot of communities have limited the number of drive through restaurants. And maybe that's why I, I don't know the history of drive throughs particularly, but it sounds to me like they've been limited for uh, some number of time now in Castro Valley. Uh, and my concern is that cars idling are an issue, environmental issue. <clears throat> And I have been to this restaurant a few times and I've never seen the window in use and it always looks boarded over. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how they were able to pass anything out that window uh, because it never, never looked usable. But that's, that's my objection. And um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Okay, it looks like Rodrigo, we have one more. Yes, Gabriel, I believe they're also the potential tenant. Gabriel, you can go ahead if you can unmute yourself. Hi, how are you guys doing? Um, I was just uh, wondering, because I know they said that the drive-thru hasn't been used. Uh, I know Sophia has documents showing that she got the key. Um, I forgot what month it was in. But I was thinking if it could be potentially used as a, like a drive-through or DoorDash pick, not drive-through, but like a DoorDash pickup order to get them to just so like you don't get people waiting, go, having to go through the rain to get their food delivered or anything like that. Um, yeah, that, that's all I really wanted to say. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gabriel. All right, seeing no other hands raised, we'll close public comment on this and. Look to Vice Chair Carbone to start things off for the council. Okay, so probably know more about this drive-through ordinance than most, or even as people might even want to care care to know. However, um, you know, going to Tofu House on a regular basis, clearly the drive-through is not being used. Uh, however, I am not in agreement with the ordinance and the way that it's written to block any opportunity for any drive-through. I believe that projects should be site-specific and a ban um, across the entire unincorporated area is in, a, I think it's pretty much in effect. I think Rodrigo can validate this. Um, it was something that was in place over 20 years ago um, and some things have changed. And this particular site, it exists. I mean, all the things that have been brought up are pretty much the reality. I realize that, you know, it says right there in our 
you know, <clears throat> our general plan, you know, no drive-throughs, but, you know, we've added drive-throughs and we've put them in um, to Walgreens and we put them into CVS. And those are all been put in after this ordinance was in place. So it was really more of a site-specific thing. And then as things are changing, as far as the comment that the, the young lady made regarding the admissions, um, you know, with all the electric cars and all the changes and everything, I think the emissions are really kind of a not kind of a non-starter for me. Um, as far as not allowing it, um, I think that the comment that I guess Gabriel made about the fact that you know we're not DoorDash, Uber Eats, all these things—they're not going away. So you know we haven't really thought through our new um, specific plan on how we really want to deal with our community, and so there's you know there's that in play. Um, but, you know, that would really minimize a car starting and stopping. I think that's worse than a car driving through the drive through um, But in saying all of these things, that existing drive through there are some challenges there. And so there's a line of sight issue and an access issue with the property next door to it. I'm looking at just Google Maps, just <clears throat> the street view. And it's, I mean, cars parking up against the sidewalk right opposed to that driveway make it a little dangerous to get out of that driveway. It's kind of an oddball kind of a driveway to start, you know? So I think these are the things that we need to consider. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not opposed to this. I'd just like to hear what all the other comments from the other commissioners. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Chuck, what do you got? Uh, um, okay, I'm not opposed to it um, for a couple of reasons. One. I think um, COVID really changed the way we uh, dine. Um, I, I found myself more takeout food than I've ever had in my life. And um, I also, um, I'm beginning to recognize as I get older, there's a lot of handicapped or senior citizens that um, have a tough time getting out of their car and going and getting a dinner. So, um, you know, with DoorDash and all the other companies that are picking up and delivering food and um, our uh, people getting older and giving them convenience to where they could drive up and pick up a meal. Um, and then the idea of a business that uh, is empty or been empty or a struggling restaurant, uh, anything that we could do to help them. I think that uh, we ought to be looking at um, doing things like that. And if we granted this back in 1983, I'm okay with uh, continuing with that program. Um, I don't remember anything about if it wasn't used in six months um, that you lost it. Um, I, so I, I, I'm okay with, um, with uh, overriding this and, and granting it for a lot Thank of reasons. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. Appreciate it, good points. Ilya? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, a few things. Uh, I'm not a big fan of drive-throughs, just to let everybody know that. Um, however, uh, uh, I think we've got um, anecdotes from individuals, some on this commission, some uh, in the public, but I, I've heard nothing about uh, proof stating that the drive-through has been closed for six months or more. I just have not seen that. It seems like any, any declination of this should be based on absolute proof that it's been out of service for six months or more. That's one thing. 
Um, it feels like the design of this place and the drive-through specifically is from another era, and it really is. It was designed in the 1960s when there was less traffic and um, probably a lot less lively Castro Valley Boulevard. Um, I think the um, so I think that the uh, thought around being an access point for delivery drivers from Uber Eats and DoorDash, et cetera, is quite interesting as a different model for the way that food could get delivered to Castro Valley residents. Um, and so I would actually be in favor of us considering something like that rather than reopening it as a full drive-through, which could, you look at any of the other drive-throughs in uh, Castro Valley and they can be stacked 10, 15 cars deep, which just, the site just doesn't feel like it's fit for that right now. Those are my thoughts. Thank you, Yelena. Um, Council Member Killebrew. Um, so I think the environmental impact concerns are legitimate and regardless of electric vehicles or not, having cars parked idling is a concern for the environment. Um, I think that if we are going to make any changes to our downtown specific plan that should be addressed with the consultant as we are um, revisiting our downtown specific plan as opposed to making spotty like make it up as we go decisions for whether or not we're going to allow drive-ins or not. I wouldn't be opposed to something that was a window for DoorDash or those type of um, food delivery services as opposed to a full service drive-through. Um, but I do not think that we should uh, address if the drive-through ordinance, if we're going to address it as a council, I think that that needs to be done when we're revisiting our downtown specific plan. Um, and I do not think that there, I agree that there should be proof, but I think that the um, property owner has also failed to prove that the uh, drive-through has been operational um, without a six months gap. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it was not being used as a drive-through. So, um, so those are my thoughts. Thank you, Shannon. Anybody else? Ken, you had your hand up a minute ago. Uh, yeah, I did. And I just wanted to, you know, I think these were all all great comments. Um, the one thing though that, you know, that um, Shannon brought up, Ilya and, and I and myself regarding the um, the new downtown specific plan. I mean, we have to look at when I mean there's a lot there. When we're when we're looking at that plan, we're gonna be looking at opportunity sites. This whole entire block is an opportunity site for possibly future development or something that might happen in Castor Valley. So the thing is, is it, any decision that we make, you know, will it or will it not impact um, our future or not? Um, and if we were to, um, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think that if um, the idea of, first of all, the last thing we want is a line out the driveway. I mean, that, that, that would just bother me completely. However, I think that the, um, you know, the app, not the applicant, but the actual operator um, to be able to use it for DoorDash and stuff. I think that that would be a great opportunity. I mean, to me, when we're talking about the new downtown specific plan, I really want to know how we're going to deal with that. Businesses right now are surviving because those, those type of sales are helping them stay in business. So it's going to be something we're going to talk about anyway. And I, I get it. Shannon's 
comment about making a decision prior to, you know, all of us actually, you know, crafting a plan, what to do. So is there a possibility of um, uh, a limited uh, opportunity to use that window and see how it works? Because it definitely would eliminate the cars queuing um, if in fact it was used for just that solution because that solution doesn't exist. Businesses are actually blocking parking spaces off for these businesses. We're not, you know, there's not gonna be any more emissions left doing it one way or another. But I think that if we were, if they got through there and got through there quickly, I think that the impact to the property might be low. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I think that um, that might be one way, but how would we do something like that? And how could something like that be uh, drafted um, is a question for Rodrigo. So anyway, that's all I got. Council Member Thomas. I think you're muted, Tojo. Can't hear you, bro. Okay. There you go. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So as I think Peter Rosen mentioned it, um, it is a local business and she is, she's a local, you know, she, we need to promote our local businesses. You know, I, I, we have our chain restaurants on uh, Castro Valley Boulevard with a whole bunch of uh, drive-thrus and all that stuff. So, you know, she has had, I think, I believe it was Tofu House once everybody's moving out because of, you know, they can't find business. So, you know, this <laughs> new business owner, she wants, he wants to have a drive-thru um, so he can, uh, somebody could stay there for a long time. So we just need to consider that, that, you know, this should be a spot. Uh, there's a business or a restaurant there for a while. That's all. Thank you, Tojo. Council member Padro. Thank you, Mr. Chair and good evening, everyone. Um, based upon personal experience, prior to it being a tofu house and a chicken joint, it used to be Poncho's Mexican restaurant. And I dined there many, many a time between the late 80s and the 90s. And at that given time, that drive-through window was operational. Uh, so seeing nothing, you know, I, I, seeing nothing to officially change that with the exception of, you know, our, our, our zoning codes. However, back in 80s and 90s, it, was, it would be grandfathered in, I believe just as a point of information. Secondarily, if we tried to make that drive up window available only to DoorDash and StubHub or whatever they, it would be next to impossible to monitor that or to control that. As I see it, it's either gotta be approved by us or disallowed by us. And uh, I, for one, because I see nothing concrete either way, I would, I would uh, allow this drive-in window to be operational unless and until we as a, as a town uh, with our general plan uh, make a determination that we can or cannot have uh, drive-through businesses. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member Padro. Other thoughts? All right, I would just, I, I, I so love the, the direction and the and the thinking that that the council has offered tonight um, makes my makes my heart glad. Uh, looking at the impacts on the specific plan, looking at 
the future of, of dining. Um, it's all huge questions, great questions. Um, this item is asking us to consider the drive-through as a continuing operation um, if we want to overturn the planning director's decision. Um, and I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable enough that I've seen the evidence that this has been a continuing, continuing operation. Um, I do, again, my understanding is that, that if the applicant wishes to, to take it back to the planning commission to appeal um, a prospective decision from us not to overturn the planning director, the applicant has the chance to do that. Um, and the planning commission would hear it. So um, I, I, I support I support everybody's thought that that we need to look at this on a site by site basis and a use by use. Um, in this particular case, I don't think I can support um, overturning the planning director's decision. But we have other hands up. Shannon. No, I would like to make a motion when we're ready. Okay. Uh, other comments, Chuck. Yeah, no, I was just going to say I have no problem overriding the planning commission. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't live in the community. Um, uh, Al has just said that uh, he visited the place and it was an active window. And things have changed. Uh, this whole idea of smog and, and, and environmental deals. Um, I mean, the electric car is, I mean, by 2020, what, five, you won't be able to buy a, a gasoline car anymore in California. I mean, uh, or I don't know if it's 25 or 28 or whatever. Things are changing. And um, and we have a lot of seniors and a lot of people that um, that really need, have a difficult time getting out of their cars. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we need to look at the future and not the, um, the past, uh, other than we granted this or somebody granted this business, this drive through and it's still in concrete and it's still being used. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, you know, when it's time to make a motion, I'll make a motion to support it. So um, we'll see how it, how it ends up. Okay. Ken? I just want, just for clarification, Dam Damien, the decision that, I mean, the question that we're being asked is either we feel that it was open or closed. I mean, do we have any um, latitude here other than what you're asking us for, for this determination? Is that the only thing you're asking us for? Or um, are we gonna be able to move forward with making a recommendation of what we feel the use of that driveway should be, regardless if it's been open or closed or whatever? So I can answer that question. Thank Rodrigo. you, Rodrigo. So, yes. so sorry, Damien, but, but no, uh, no the, the, the broader perspective here. Uh, so, the, so the specific plan, as it exists today, says drive-throughs are prohibited. Yep. So we are looking at whether or not the the building is a drive-through business. Yes. So yes, it's got the physical um, uh, driveway and the drive-through window, and and it was permitted as a drive-through. That's the physical improvements. Operationally, is the use a drive-through use? Has it been? Has it been a drive-through use with um, 
with that function even after the prohibition, right? So it started off as a drive-through. Then after it started, the prohibition for drive-throughs came in. So all the existing drive-throughs can continue as drive-through businesses. We do this uh, in every circumstance where the zoning changes on their property. It's you know the legal non-conforming status of of anything, whether it's uh, residential or commercial or industrial, whatever. If the zoning changes, then the existing use is allowed to operate. But any stop in that use means that it's no longer a permitted use. It, it's it's uh, the legal non-conforming status goes away. And any new use has to conform with the zoning, right? That's how we get changes to zoning to occur over long periods of time. Existing uses that have been there with permits are allowed to operate when the zoning changes under them. Then if they stop operations, if they stop the use, then the new use has to conform. So the, so the question is not whether drive-in businesses are allowed. The specific plan already says no. The question is, is this a drive-through business? Is it... Um, been in operation uh, as a drive-through business. And if your recommendation to the planning commission, because it's going to go to the planning commission uh, regardless of your recommendation, right? You're making a recommendation to the planning commission. Right. That is your charge to make a, a recommendation to the planning commission. So, so your recommendation would be, yes, you think it is a, a continuous operation of a drive-in business or no, it is not a continuous operation of a drive-in business. But what we cannot change because it's in black and white is that drive-through businesses are permitted in downtown Castro Valley? The answer to that is no. So Rodrigo, just, just, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody, but I just, there's one, a couple more things here. So mm -hmm. in that past 20 years, CVS has a drive-through, and so does Walgreens. Yeah. How, how did those materialize? Why we had 20 years when we were banned from having drive-throughs? So, so they, they applied for variances. So the other step for this applicant would be then you know you would go through the additional bureaucracy of if you wanted the drive-through to apply for a variance or you or your recommendation and the planning commission's decision could be no this is a drive-through. Okay, got it. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay. There's also with um with uh some of those drive-in drive-in stores it they they were considered a drive-in business because the because the services you know you know given to the people in the cars is is not is not a significant amount of the business like uh like a mcdonald's would would be okay all right well understand okay i think we're good um, i have a question for for damian and, and or rodrigo um it's based on what ken just the, the path ken just went down if i were hypothetically to buy the old carry out your restaurant and say i want to turn that into a drive-through um, and I come to planning and say that that I'd like to make this a drive-through restaurant. Your response to me would be what? No, no, what? no, no. You can't do that. Yeah. No. Okay. So no variance, no nothing. It's just can't do it. Well, so so we would say you would need a variance if you want to do it. We would recommend ah. against it because, but okay. we would highly recommend that you do a beer garden there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think if the, I think we we got to be cognizant of our of our central downtown core retail area and some of those things. But it's, again, that's why site-specific is so important uh -huh. instead of blanketing everything with a, a certain policy. So, but, uh, okay. All right. I think Shannon's still got her hand up, it looks like. Huh? Shannon, Shannon's been patiently, patiently waiting to make a motion. Okay. Council Member Kilburn. 
I would like to make a motion to uphold the planning director's decision that determined that the uh, business has been uh, has not been in service for an extended period of time and does not have legal non-conforming status. That's my motion. Do we have a second? I will second that motion. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. Can we? Uh, can I get a clarification? So, uh, when we approve this motion, we're denying. I'm just simple. It's a simple answer. Uh, we're denying the drive-through for that business, right? We're recommending to the planning commission that that we do not overturn the planning director. Okay. Rodrigo, ready to call the vote? Uh, yes, Member Thomas. No. Member Padro? Aye. Member Prokopov? Yes. Member Moore? No. Member Killebrew? Yes. Uh, Vice Chair Carbone? No. And uh, Chair Mulgrew? Yes. Okay. Thank you for the vote. Very good. All righty. Thank you. And I wish. The applicant luck with the planning commission or the variance. For clarification, can we have a, a what the total was on that, please? Uh, four three. Four three to uphold the planning director's decision. Four three to deny appeal. Correct. 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 Thank you. Okay, just want to make sure I make notes here. All right, we are on to item number three, which is an action item for approval of a setback variance and a site development review, the new construction on Parsons Avenue. Parsons. Proctor. Proctor. Parsons. Proctor. Parsons? Proctor. 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 Good evening, council members, members of the public, Aubrey Rose, planning department. Going to go ahead and uh, share my PowerPoint. Let's see, share screen. Okay, you're seeing my PowerPoint? No. Nope. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and start over. Aubrey, I can I can share from my end if that okay, helps. that'd be great. Thanks. Sure. There we go. Okay, can everybody see that? 
PowerPoint presentation? Yep. Okay, great. So well, why don't you get started over you know? Okay, thanks. This is uh, uh, an application at 4915 Proctor Road. It's a proposal to construct a new single family home. Uh, it's here because the proposal um, contains two variances, uh, one for the front uh, required um, front yard setback and one for the rear and also a site development review for um, exceeding maximum floor area. So are you still seeing my slides here? Yep. Yep, okay, great. So page two. Thank you. So um, the first uh, variance is uh, to allow five foot front yard setback where 20 feet is required. And the second is for a seven foot rear yard setback where 20 feet is required. And the site development review is to allow uh, 3,440.5 square feet of floor area where the maximum allowed by the zoning code is 3,356.2 square feet. And the um, applicant uh, Yates is here. Uh, general plan, CVG, PRH, Castro Valley General Plan, Hillside Residential is land use designation. Zonings R1, single family residence with overlays CSU conditional secondary unit, RV combining recreational vehicle and HO hillside overlay. Projects exempt from CEQA as a new construction. Okay, so here's the location. This is actually shown um, north to south, uh, just more clear that way. And so this is west of Redwood Road. And this is the third of four lots on a shared access easement on a formerly subdivided lot where the other three lots, one, two, and four are developed. And if we could um, go to the next slide, please, it will zoom in. Thanks. So you can see a little more clearly there's the vacant lot um, that is... Um, Oops, sorry. Yep, that's okay. A uh, third of fourth, it's along um, a 23 foot wide access easement. And so the um, front lot line rather than facing the street is facing the access easement due to the subdivision. So that's 157 feet, one inch um, in width facing the, the easement and uh, 50 feet um, deep. Next slide, please. Okay, so here are um, some photos from the street. The larger one in the upper left-hand corner shows the um, front home at 4911 and um, the 23 foot wide access easement. And the in the lower right hand corner, there's just a different um, angle of the same thing, that's all. So this is, yep, so proposals to construct a new 3,440 and a half square feet, two story home fronting on access easement with a two car garage on the south or left side and a covered patio on the north or right side. So the two variances um, are ultimately decided by the West County Board of Zoning Adjustments and the Site Development Review by the Planning Director. Next slide, please. Okay, so here's the, the uh, key site of all four lots. So you can see that the subject parcel is the third of four lots where the uh, first, second, and fourth are developed. You can see the closest surrounding homes um, depicted here. Next slide, please. Okay, so this is uh, a site plan and I've got the um, areas requiring the variances, um, front and rear setbacks um, delineated with the, uh, the light blue ovals there. 
So you can see, again, the front lot line does not face the street, it faces the shared access easement there. And so that's 157 feet, one inch wide by 50 feet deep. This was originally a single 73 foot wide lot that's been subdivided by a variant starting in 1968 to result in these four lots. Next slide, please. Okay, so here are the elevations. So you're seeing uh, the uh, front elevation in the lower left, the rear elevation in the upper right. Upper left would be the, um, the right side. And uh, so facing north or towards the street uh, the, or the lots between uh, this lot and the street. And to the lower right is the um, left or south side with the uh, attached two-car garage. And then here's just some perspectives. Okay. Okay, so again, development in terms of development standards, where 20 feet uh, depth is required for the front and rear lots, um, five and seven feet respectively is proposed. And where 10 feet is required on the sides, uh, 30 to the left and 20 feet to the right are proposed because the, um, the lot is uh, very wide, uh, but very shallow. And the table to the right shows how the site development review is, is being required because of the lot size. Um, there's a uh, given a FAR um, allotted and this project exceeds the maximum by about 83 square feet. And so uh, an SDR site development review is required of the planning director. Okay. Okay, so in terms of an analysis of the variances, so again, the, um, the lot is 50 feet deep due to its configuration by previously approved variances and subdivisions. And so a code conforming house um, subtracting 20 feet front and rear from 50 feet would result in a 10 foot um, uh, deep house, which is impracticable. And so that's the um, uh, one justification for the variances is the, uh, the existing conditions of this lot. Um, there are, it's also surrounded by homes and lots that were approved um, and, and developed with um, variances. And as far as the site development review for Florida to exceed the uh, allowed maximum, the uh, project um, conforms to the design guideline A1 respect the development pattern of the neighborhood. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, so here's an assessor's parcel map just to give another perspective. So you can see this once again is the um, third of four lots um, from Proctor. It's uh, the, so the front setback is facing the easement, which is a flag of the fourth lot. And the rear setback is, um, is facing the, uh, what would have been the um, right side lot line prior to the subdivision of the four lot subdivision. Next slide, please. Public notification, two uh, letters uh, of opposition were received uh, last week and provided um, three tele, Phone calls were received. One was in opposition and one email inquiry um, today. 
And so all you've got is those two um, letters of opposition. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so in conclusion, staff recommends that the Castro Valley Municipal Advisory Council recommend um, variances, two variances to the West County Board of Zoning Adjustments and a site development review to the planning director to construct a new home. So staff's available to answer any questions you may have and the applicant um, is the architect Gates is also present. Uh, last slide, please, Rodrigo. Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey. Um, right now, let's take public comments on this on this presentation and project. If anybody wishes to speak, uh, raise your hand, please. And Rodrigo will call on you and bring you in. The first person uh, listed here is Peter Rosen. Uh, Peter, if you can go ahead and unmute yourself. Hi, thanks. This is actually the the, the reason I was calling in. The other one just popped up. So um, I wanted to say, once again, I'm speaking on my own behalf, and I wanted to point out that this is a four bedroom, four and a half bath house being proposed. Um, I get that it's conforming in uh, setbacks to the other ones, so it's not like it's special circumstances there. I think the problem is that this house is a larger house in an area that has very poor public transit is not uh has a very poor walkability score it's not near any groceries or any anything that's going to be happening up there uh is going to whoever lives there is going to need cars or some type of um transportation and looking at it from a practical realistic point of view um if the problem is that the house is too is is that big um they're gonna to have to need more parking than two parking stalls. And my concern is, as I've mentioned to some other people uh, that are on the Mac previously, is that a lot of times the driveway apron isn't big enough because nowadays what the tendency is, is for people to fill their garages full of stuff and they don't park their cars in the garage. And so what's gonna end up happening is Proctor's already impacted. And what I worry about is um, these cars moving out to the street or their, um, their other, um, guests and things moving out to the street. So my biggest concern is um, not only that they uh, have a big enough driveway apron, which may be impractical, but maybe the better solution to this is to make the garage a double deep garage or a deeper garage and requiring them to park in the garage because this was discussed uh, when Whisper Lane was going in and I've been to several houses on Whisper Lane and um, none of those guys are parking in the garage either and it creates a problem when you've got limited parking space. And so um, this was something that was set up before. It was supposed to have CCNRs for that. And I worry that something like this is gonna negatively impact not only the other neighbors that are there, but also the uh, safety of the kids that are walking to uh, Proctor right there. We're talking about putting in sidewalks and everything on that road. And, it, and we've got a huge problem already with people parking on part of the curb because it's so narrow. So I don't know why you would be encouraging a situation that's that's potentially going to get worse. Um, so my question is, can you um, is this just about the variances on the setback or can you discuss the fact that the it's it's too large of a house on the square footage area? And the solution to that would be to increase the garage size. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Who's next, Rodrigo? 
Uh, next, we have Kathy Bailey. Oops. Kathy, if you could go ahead. Okay, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I spoke to Mr. Rose this afternoon because I received a notice in the mail just last week that there was going to be a public hearing on this tonight. And he informed me that a letter had been sent out around a month ago to different neighbors um, regarding this house that they want to put in. I didn't receive that letter. And um, I'm sorry I didn't because I'm the only house that's directly involved with where they're building this house. Um, Mr. Rose sent me the staff report today and I didn't get a chance to look it over really well, but on page 15 of the report, there's a picture of a house with a red truck and this property that they wanna build on. And I don't know if you have access to that, but um, the house is mine and they wanna put a two-story house just several feet alongside of my house with all my windows on that west side. Um, they're going to obstruct the light coming in my windows from a kitchen, dining room, living room, and only be feet from my property, which we won't even be able to have our windows open without somebody hearing us. Um, I've dealt with uh, the, prop the person who bought this property in, uh, last year when he was building and fixing up the last house. And they are not transparent. They come with their trucks with nobody. You don't even know who you're working with. You can't even complain to anybody because there's no company name on anything. Um, they've had the sheriff's called on them before because I know I had to call on it, call them when they were working at 6.15 in the morning right underneath my bedroom window. And I, I strongly oppose to this house going up. And what I'd like to ask for is um, a postponement without prejudice so that I can get further information on it from a professional. And I guess that's it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, who's next, Rodrigo? Um, next we have... Um... Kristen? Hi, yes, I'm here. Um, yes, I live at 4833 Proctor, so I'm just up the street. So this doesn't specifically impact my lot. However, I have a great concern about the additional vehicles parking on Proctor because of it being a four bedroom house. In addition, um, on page five, of the proposal that I received via email from Aubrey. 17.52.330 uh, says there's a provision for light, air, privacy, and safety from fire hazards. I don't think that's met any of those. In addition, when you go down to page seven, conformance with residential design, the design guidelines E-1, those standards that have been in effect since, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years or more. Again, it does not consist, it does not provide for light, air, privacy, and safety. Uh, your, the neighbor there that has the property to the west should definitely be concerned about privacy, light, and air, and potentially for safety from fire hazards. Uh, 
And my suggestion, I noticed that Peter Rosen suggested something to make it slightly smaller and change the configuration of it. Um, there would be, I think that planning department should look at if they're gonna approve this two story construction, they should look at moving it to the north so that it provides the least impact on the property that where the house is to the immediate west. And it still wouldn't impact, it would still give a 20 foot, maybe you could do 15 there and not impact that neighbor to the north, particularly because they have a two story house there also. I walk down this driveway all the time with my dog, so I'm very familiar with this with this lot. Um, so it it could still be a similar configuration, just move it to the north, make it slightly smaller, maybe a three bedroom instead, and um, uh, that would still allow for some development there, but then would allow the uh, provision for the light air privacy situation to go through uh, from the neighbor there to the west. I can certainly, um, I, I feel for that person on the west side there having a house five feet from your property line uh, because the same situation happened to me um, that Damien's aware of at my residence where I had a property suddenly go up that's two stories high next to my single story house and uh yeah so i think that planning should take a look at the actual configuration on that lot thank you thank you kristen i know uh patty o had raised her hand in uh the initial public comment section and, and was asked to Come back and comment during this time if she had any comments or questions. Patty, did you want to did you want to say anything? Patty, if you would like so, to speak. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Um, thank you so much for allowing me to share my concern. I too am strongly opposed to building on this side. I live right below the site and I am very concerned about the drainage problem um, when the a long cement driveway was put in I don't know if the drainage problem was dealt with in that I think it all came into my property uh, and I had to deal with damages to my family room. Um, and for the first time, the culvert in my backyard overflowed and my entire backyard was flooded. So I had a lot of damage with the last series of storms. And so I don't know what they're doing about the drainage problem, because I certainly don't want it coming into my yard the way it did. Um, I have lived in my home for 35 years and I enjoy gardening. 
spending time in my backyard, and having this two-story um, home with the variance to allow only five feet instead of 20 feet for the front yard would really affect the quality of life for me and my family, and I lose my privacy. And so, of course, I'm opposed to this um, building. But if it does go up, I need to know what they're going to do about the drainage problem. Okay, so thank you so much for allowing me to share my concerns. Thank you, Patty. Much appreciated. All right, any other public comments from the public on this? If not, we will look to council members for thoughts and questions. Council member Moore. Can't, can't um, hear you, Chuck. I keep, it doesn't say mute. There you better. go. Better there you go. go. Okay. Um, on the rear setback, seven feet, um, if the house was made in compliant with the ver with the um, FAR, would would we would they be able to get a larger setback? Um, say maybe ten or fifteen feet on the rear of the home, and um, the front setback is is not concerning to me as much as the rear, where it backs up to somebody else's property. Um, so um, I was just wondering if that's a possibility. Uh, we're we're talking. About, I don't I don't know that that would um, make the, that much of a difference because we're talking about eighty to eighty five square feet. Yeah, it it just seems like um, I mean I've built in uh, homes that they're very close to seven foot, and it, it I mean that's a minimum for fire. Um, and it's awful close. Uh, and in those days here where you're seeing um, uh, issues with fire, um, I, I that's the, the, the rear setbacks where I have a problem with. And just a, a, a bit of a perspective on the way these lots were laid out at, at the subdivision. I think, uh, Aubrey, you said the subdivision was uh, several decades old. Um, and so that that could be uh, something to, to consider in the way that the parcels are laid out. If um, you consider that uh, in this scenario, the uh, parcel, the house would be located in, in this parcel right here that I'm drawing right now. Um, and it would be, um, it would be, as I'm trying to find my, here we go, my shapes. So the house would be located something like that, right? And we're talking about a front yard setback uh, that's, that's close to the driveway, a rear yard setback, that's opposite of that driver, right? So the front in this case is here, the rear in this case is here, and these are the sides. And that's how 
all these subdivisions were laid out. So for example, on the property next door, they have a similar circumstance. And I think they, they may have gotten a variance as well uh, for this, what's technically their rear yard setback to be close to the property line and the front yard setback to be close to their driveway. But they've got a lot of space in the front a lot and, and more space in the back. The, the side-by-side -side scenario is typical of side yard setbacks on a house with a normal street frontage and you've got your conforming 20 foot front yard, you're conforming 20 or plus foot rear yards. And then typically you've got 10 feet between houses, depending on the lot width, right? If you've got a 50 foot wide lot, it's five feet from the side of the house to the property line. The other house also has five feet to the property line. So that's 10 feet in between houses. It's 60 feet wide, then you got six feet side yards, seven feet wide, seven feet side yards, et cetera. So, so in as much as these could be considered side yard setbacks, they would be typical of what's going on on the street to the west. The problem is, and that's why the site development review is required, is that uh, for such a large floor area ratio, a four bedroom house, it's two stories, so it meets the high restrictions. For a large four bedroom house, um, you are having a lot of massing along your, what could be again considered for, um, not for, for legal, plotting purposes. Again, the front has to be considered uh, opposite the or next to the driveway. The rear has to be considered opposite the front. But but um, the configuration is such that there's open space on either side. Um, there's similar distances between houses to property lines, like in surrounding areas. Um, if this were a smaller house such that it could, it, it, would, it would not trigger the need for a site down review because it's below the floor area ratio, then perhaps there could be some uh, some pushback away from the side property line, maybe to instead of five feet, maybe seven feet, maybe eight feet, um, but they would still be far below the 20 foot required on the rear yard. Um, and that's just the nature of how this parcel was subdivided all the way from Proctor Road along the north. You know, these, these parcels um, are all, are all one big long original parcel skinny frontage and then a really deep lot. And so you, if you're looking to develop them, you pretty much have to do this driveway along one side and then the parcels marching down um, the street. And that's what happened to the parcels immediately to the west. So, so I think that a variance cannot be avoided in this case. I think that what could be worked on is more perhaps on the design to, to reduce the floor area to give more a bit more breathing room but i unfortunately just the way these lots were were configured at the time of the subdivision again it's pretty much it's twin to the west um they they have to have the benefit of a variance in order to develop so well, Rigo, I, I can understand the variance for the lot design and the house design but mm -hmm. i'd hate to see us give a variance for the setbacks and then allow the house to be larger than what the FAR is. Sure. Okay. Uh, then that's 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 a that's a very yes, very valid. Yes. So um, I mean that's just my feedback on it. Thanks, Chuck. Good points. Yeah. Council member, Vice Chair Carbone. So <clears throat> just to help us with this, I mean. I appreciate all your efforts on the presentation, but I'm going to share my screen for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to go with this one. And anyway, 
this you've already seen this, but what I'm what I'm after is this one. <clears throat> so it's it's a little different when you actually drive in here. And for some reason, Google actually went in here. And this is this is pretty much what we're talking about here. And it gives us an opportunity to really see what's going on here. And you can see, I guess this is the woman's home that uh, that's going to butt up against it. Um, and then also to the neighbor. And you can see that <clears throat> from there's obviously um, different elevations. It's this is over. This is where the drainage issue. I think that conversation was coming in. So, um, but for me, the place I, I believe that Chuck's exactly on the right path. I think that the I mean, at least from what I'm seeing is that that floor area ratio and this, this, the size of this house and the massing of it is just, it's overbuilding this spot. And then also, do we not, did we kind of, kind of kibosh our design guidelines on housing? I mean, this looks like, this looks like a box. Yeah. And is that something that <clears throat> we did not um, finalize yet, Rodrigo? I mean, I thought we were kind of done with these kind of houses. Yeah, no, we um, we we talked to the applicant and the designer about it. It's it's a matter of uh, hearing from uh, the the appointeds and the in the commissions okay. as well, just to give them more feedback. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah, because it's I was looking at it and it was that was kind of scary. Anyways, I just wanted everybody to see that. I'll stop sharing my screen. <clears throat> um, and again, I'm I'm in support of what uh, Chuck's recommendation was. Councilmember Killebrew. Um, well, basically, same as Councilmember Moore and um, Carbone have said, I have a problem with the setback against the, the, the rear setback and how it affects the neighbor and then the overdevelopment of this small lot. Um, I think that the floor area ratio needs to be addressed and reduced. But I just, I echo their sentiments. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Padra, please. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And out of the interest of time, I echo Councilmember Killebrew's comments over overmassing the existing property, as well as just not giving much, if any, kind of privacy uh, to the adjacent neighbors. And specifically, as referenced on page seven, as far as design guideline E, I just don't think it provides adequate light, air, or privacy for residential units in the surrounding area. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Councilmember Prokopoff. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, uh, echoing uh, the same sentiments as uh, other uh, council members. Uh, the only thing I would also point back to is I thought um, the caller with the first name of Kristen made an interesting point about looking also at the uh, north-south location of the building, um, potentially creating more of an offset with the house that's uh, immediately to the west. Is that right? Immediately to the west. East-west. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Thomas. A quick question. Um, instead of uh, denying the motion, can we continue this so they come back with a reduced size home? or with a much less square feet and uh, 
we can discuss this further or uh, is that a possibility? If you're asking staff, it is a possibility. If they reduce the flora ratio to below the need for site development review, then there would not be a need for site development review. I think, however, that just given the configuration of the parcel being um, how it is, uh, they would still need a variance. And what staff is hearing from the council, and I believe the applicant is also hearing from council, is that the <clears throat> council wants more of a setback between the house and the west side property line, which is what we consider the rear setback. Uh, again, we'd have to uh, discuss whether the full 20 feet is possible, just given the shallowness of the lot, the full 20 feet may not be possible and still have a, a, a house with, for example, a, a full depth garage. Uh, garages are usually 20 feet deep, et, uh, et cetera. But, but there could possibly be more of a distance uh, beyond the current five foot um, rear yard setback to a, to a higher setback, uh, given the reduction in flora ratio. And what staff is hearing from the council is that you're not supportive of the approval of site development review at this time because it's it's too big, it's too massive. Uh, you would like to see the location perhaps further north away from the uh, from the neighboring house uh, to the west, uh, and a, you would like to see a a reduction in the in the uh, massing of the building to reduce the flora ratio, perhaps as much as no need for a site development review below the, the, the triggering point for a site development review. Yeah. Thanks, Rodrigo. Yeah. Would add to your summary, Rodrigo, that, uh, and, and I'm in agreement with what everybody has said, um, especially the comments about the design standards. I mean, this is basically a big stucco box with about 60 <clears> feet of unbroken stucco facade on the front wall. And I'd love to see um maybe a stone some stone mixed in or some articulation of the the building itself so that it the character um more blends with the neighborhood and and uh the houses in the area uh, but otherwise i support what everybody else has said any other comments are we gonna are yeah. we gonna just Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, are we going to, I mean, are we gonna, if we're gonna continue this, are we just, uh, Rodrigo has collected this information, are we gonna make a motion? Because there are some things here, I think that are yes. um, important that need to move, that need to be carried forward. And so I'm just not sure how, um, what you, Rodrigo, what would you recommend that we do? So I think that the variance application is still going to be needed uh, yeah. just because of, so it would definitely come back to this board, to this council uh, on recommendation on your, and then your recommendation would be the West County Board of Zoning Adjustment. So you could continue it to allow the applicant time to redesign something that you could favor both in terms of variance and uh, if need be, if it still needs a site to review, also to support the site to review. But to me, it sounds like you, you don't want such a large floor ratio. Yeah, and I think in I'm thinking that if we continue it, then it has to come back to us, and this can't slip sideways. And I think that there's yes. some really um, some concerns from the community and from the commission that we should probably continue this. It's probably in our best interest to to not let it loose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank and you. Just just for the uh, max uh, consideration, there is somebody who raised their hands by the name of Yates. And I, I don't believe I closed public comment, so um, it's gone. Let's, let's hear. Huh? They're, they're back. Back. 
I apologize for that, Council. Let's hear from uh, Mr. and Ms. Yates. So, uh, uh, Mr. and Ms. Yates, if you could unmute yourself, you could go ahead. Uh, good evening, everybody. Thanks, you know, first of all, for having us uh, being here and like uh, uh, present our project. And thanks, Aubrey, uh, for doing a fantastic job, you know, at least uh, bring out uh, our project. So uh, I I was listening like you know through all the conversation and, and the concerns the uh, the neighbors has so uh, you know we can definitely work uh, to reduce the footprint a little bit so we can get into like a, a conforming FAR uh, but if uh, so what would work for the uh, rear setback or you know on the west side like currently we show about uh, seven feet uh, setback on a west side. Uh, so would a 10 foot would work because, you know, that, uh, uh, because if we uh, go 10, 20 feet practically, you know, it won't be like, you know, it will be like a long uh, building and won't practically make too much sense. And if we, uh, so I just want to know, like, uh, would 10, 10 feet sit back uh, on that side would work and, uh, and we can redesign and reduce the footprint a little bit. And it does have like a jog in the back. Uh, just you know, uh, an articulation in the back, so it, it's it does follow like you know the plan, the the uh, design guide, and you know we try to reduce massing, and it's similar to homes like uh, in the neighborhood, and so so forth. You know, so what would be a number which uh, we can work with uh, to reduce the setback on the west side? A ten foot would be fine. You know, I can uh, definitely work with that. So that's the comment I have. Thank you so much. All right. Um, is there anyone else with a public comment? Okay. I will close public comments at this point. And we had, uh, Ken, did you have your hand up? No, I, I did, but I was going to almost, I, I, no, I don't have nothing to say. Thank you. All right. So at this point, it looks like, Rodrigo, you're going to, Oh, Councilmember Padra. I see a hand. Councilmember, you're muted. Padra, you're mute. Uh, you're muted, Al. You're mute. Nothing like chatting with no listeners. I just hate that. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about different aspects of this project, and I don't know if it would be just appropriate to postpone it. Although it seems like. Uh, the consensus is just to, uh, uh, to postpone uh, to another time, allowing the applicant to consider the variance on the west side. I think there were some other considerations besides just that fact alone that makes me think to, to deny and how it have it come back in a full presentation as opposed to just coming back to us with a variance matter only. That's just my, that's just my uh, position. Do you want to put that in the form of a motion, Al? Well, it would simply be a denial of, of uh, PLN 2022-00122 denying the recommendation approval to the West County BZA. And staff uh, clarification, if, if I may. If, if a project is denied, uh, yours would be a recommendation to the West BZA. If the project is denied for whatever reason, I didn't write it into the ordinance, they cannot reapply for one year. Oh, oh. oh no. 
But yeah. if they turn around and appeal this and they take this same exact plan to the PC or wherever it goes from here, it could be overturned and it could be built just like it's been submitted. I, I think that our initial plan to continue this is the best path forward. This has happened in the past. I'm just telling you that I, it's, I think it's I, in everybody's best interest that we continue this. I can certainly, I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear. I'm okay. withdrawing my motion. I just didn't believe that uh, the, the long and short of everything is just the variance on the West side only. There are some other considerations. Oh, well, you brought up some really important things. And I think maybe what we ought to do is we should just list our concerns uh, for the applicant to yes. uh, revise his plans and then he can come back and we'll maybe back. That's, that's probably our best plan. I'm perfectly okay with that. Okay. Maybe someone else can uh, can possibly couch this motion in the manner that that would be appropriate then. Perfect. Um, so, I, don't think, I don't think we need a motion to a motion to continue. We yeah, we normally would. Well, no, maybe we don't. Uh, you do not need a motion to continue. I just want to make sure that I am understanding your points. Uh, so again, I'm a very visually oriented person. Okay. So the blue is the building. The, the rest is the parcel. You, My understanding is you want the building to move north, away from the person to the west. Yes. You are, they need a minimum of 10 feet on this side. So yes. the center to fix 10 feet. Um, the front yard, you seem to be less concerned about because of it's facing its own driveway correct the rear yard i understand that you may want a larger i don't know if they can get 10 feet but close as close as possible to 10 feet yes and then the rest would be open that would be their yard area yeah there's the design the design guidelines too design guidelines as well as drainage as well as drainage yes and we would be looking at a at a, at a drainage plan that they would submit yes. Does that address the floor area ratio as well? Reducing it would, and that it reduces the floor area ratio. Uh, we'd have to wait to see what they come back with. If they still uh, come back with a floor area ratio large enough that still requires a site art review, <clears throat> or, or if they come back under the threshold. So they would come back to us, the MAC, then correct? They, correct. Would, they would come back because they still need a variance for the front okay. yard and, and the rear. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Member Carboni. Thank you. Right. No worries. We all work together. Good. Indeed. All right. Thank you, everybody. All right. I are believe you? we are. Yes. Someone have something? Okay. We're on to the chair's report. Uh, first, thank the staff and the applicants for that. That was uh, uh, Aubrey. Good job, Rodrigo. Good job. Thanks to everybody that's fun. Um. Uh, Chair report. Uh, there's a Yates um, on. Yeah. I guess. It's already been closed. Mr. Yates has already spoken. And, he already spoke. He already spoke. Yeah. And public discussion was closed. Thank you. Uh, I was just trying to, you know, uh, one point, you know. Well, thank you. All right. Item J, the chair report. Um, we talked earlier in the meeting about uh, our next meeting, which um, planning would like to hold on Tuesday, February 14th. And uh, we did approve a formal calendar, which which did not show that. Uh, Rodrigo, would you give us a little bit of an idea of, of why it's important to, uh, to meet on the 14th? 
yes, and my apologies. Uh, it could be uh, the 14th or 15th as the, uh, the MAC sees fit, but basically it would be a special meeting to go over the objective standards uh, and looking at uh, multifamily residential development. Um, and so I did the, the, the 27th of February, my colleague Elizabeth McElligot is gonna go to the MAC with the um, housing element. So we definitely do not want both the housing element and the objective standards at the same meeting. We want to clear the calendar on the housing element because that's going to be a very uh, meaty item. Um, so, so we and I, I've, it's been a while since I've gotten uh, the the enough of a draft from the consultant to be able to to move forward with the objective standards. And so, I'm really hoping I can go in February. Um, there is no first hearing in February scheduled because that 13th is a holiday. And so the, sometimes we we have any required special meetings the day after the holiday. So that would be the 14th. Realizing that the 14th is Valentine's Day, for all you romantics out there, uh, we could schedule it not on the 14th, but perhaps on the 15th. I'm okay with meeting on the holiday, but not on the 14th. That's my wife's holiday. Councilmember Kilbrew, Shannon. I I second Chuck's. I would rather meet on the holiday or the fifteenth than the fourteenth. I will probably ask to be excused on the fourteenth. And and just um and I apologize on the thirteenth. It's it's a it's a union. I can't. Okay, that's fine. But I would rather the fifteenth than I guess. Um, but I will ask to be excused on the fourteenth. Um, if it's the fourteenth. Seize doesn't make enough candy to cover that one. No, <laughs> not a three-day stretch. Yeah. Rodrigo, uh, is a fifteenth possible, or uh, is that too far? The fifteenth is possible. That's a, a Wednesday. Ilya, you have your hand up. The only thing I would add is um, the fourteenth. Challenging, though, maybe for the council members. I think it would be equally challenging for the public, and I think we would have very poor turnout. Very good point. Very good point. Okay. That give you what you need, Rodrigo? No, the 15th. 15th. Okay, great. Thank you. Perfect. Do we have any announcements or thoughts from council on anything for the good of the order? Yep. Go ahead, Ilya. Go ahead, Ken. No, you can go first. I, I just had, I, I had to, um, I was looking back at my notes, February 27th, that meeting is entirely virtual or do we have the option of being in person as council members it's so, a hybrid meeting so you'll have that'll be the last time that you'll have an option of being virtual and or in person because starting in march you'll all need to be in person gotcha okay but on the 27th we have the option of being as a council in person the library will be set up and ready and the technology will be working and Got those it. of us that want to be in person can be there. Is that correct, Tona? Uh, those of you that want to be there in person, <laughs> yes, you can be there. Technology and stuff, hopefully. Okay. From what I understand, it's ready to go. Thank you. And so the, the 27th uh, would be hybrid. And then the, the 15th would be virtual. Right. As well as the 21st will be virtual. 
correct because the library is not available. Right. Okay. So two virtuals and one optional on the 27th. Correct. And on the 21st, you'll need to do the findings again in order to make the 27th um, uh, a hybrid and virtual ability. Okay. And for final clarification, there's no meeting on the 6th or 7th of February. You meet on the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th Mondays of the month. Understood. Anything else, Al? No, sir. Ken? Okay. So I just want to compliment everybody tonight. I, I mean, it was we had some really good conversation. Whether we agree or we disagree, we did. I, I felt that a lot of good information came out. And over the years and being on the MAC and all these commissions, people just sit there and don't say a word. And I just think that everybody had something good to say. There was a really, I mean, you know, whatever the outcome is, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that uh, we brought up a lot of really good facts and people really looked um, at all the aspects of each of the applications. And I mean, this is really, you know, this is kind of a, a really big step forward and a big improvement for the Mac as it's been over the years. So I just wanted to just compliment everybody for all their hard work and their thoughts and consideration. So that's it. Thank you. Well, well said, thank you. Do we have any staff announcements or comments? Rodrigo, Damien, Tom? Not, not from Rodrigo, not from planning staff. We uh, settled on the 15th of February. Tona just as a reminder of the special meeting MAC work session Thursday. Thursday that will be virtual. The agenda and the link was sent to everyone. Um, and then again, it'll be all MACs and also the Sunil Citizens Advisory Council at that meeting. Perfect. Uh, how, how long Perfect. do you anticipate that meeting uh, going? Uh, hard to say, but I would assume an hour and a half-ish. Okay. All right. If nothing else, uh, thank everybody, and we'll see Happy you. Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Year. Thank you. One see you soon. Peace. Good night, all. Good night.